Welcome to Empirical Peapod. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. If you could please subscribe, follow, share, like, comment, whatever the hell happens when we do these things. I'm your host, Tim Day. Let's get to the show. All right, we're here out in the country. Out in the country. With Miss uh, Annie Clark, which, again, I did this last episode, and I'm still being an asshole about it. It's not your name, of course, uh, Annie Frico. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I can't just get with the times and uh, understand that all my friends are now married and different people. Well, yeah. And um, it, same thing, too. I did it with my friend Melissa last time. We recorded uh, the other day, and I'm like, I refuse to admit that you're married. And I, and I love Marquette as well. And I'm just like, I don't care. You're Marquette Clark. <laughs> but anyway, I'm here with Annie Frico. Uh, we're sitting in her garage, staring at her beautiful yard with the dog. Chilling. Who's being such a good girl. She's so good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, it's gross out, so that is part of country living because we have all these beautiful trees and lush greenness, which just holds in the humidity <laughs> yeah which is good if you if you want the humidity anywhere it's really held in tight <laughs> it you don't want the, you definitely don't want your yard to breathe well you did tell me all. earlier you're mostly made of dust the so this is really like a <laughs> therapeutic probably place for you to be that's true i am mostly made of dust so <laughs> humidity therapy it's keeping me together i'm like a thick paste right now <laughs> perfect <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to start where I've kind of started with uh, a few of these now, uh, because we all kind of come from the si- not kind of we all come from the same place uh, in our little little town of Oswego here. Where did you end up after high school? Huh. Well, I couldn't I couldn't wait to get out of the house. Like I remember being sixteen you know, have an argument with my mom or whatever, being like counting down the days. Like I have 23 and a half months left <laughs> till I graduate high school. So um, I left and I went to Western Illinois um, on a track scholarship. Um, but I didn't really like, I didn't really want to go to school. I just right. didn't want to be at home anymore. Fair enough. Yeah. For, you know, a myriad of reasons, which is probably a whole other yeah, we, we've all got those reasons. Yep. We'll get there eventually. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, eventually. So, we, so I, I went to Western, um, and uh, I was dating Jason Carey at the time. I so know that asshole. He would, <laughs> he would drive his little teal blue Geo Tracker 201 <laughs> miles door to door every weekend. Um, and then, uh, yeah, man, but like I just, I fell off the rails there because I wasn't there to go to school. Right. So I was studying, I, I went in in honors college and I was studying microbiology and I really wanted to be a coroner I, oh. which could have been you know my dad was a cop and I come from a cop family on that side so it just seemed like the thing to do interesting um yeah I don't I don't know I don't necessarily have a preoccupation with death or anything yeah. I'm not a I don't know particularly gothic person it seems very out of left field yeah like, I didn't even know that Right, yeah. And I'm well, like, that's crazy. <laughs> and I think it really was just because, you know, police work, because my dad was a cop, and that's just what people do in our family. But I love science. Like, I love, like, to drill down of the how and the why and of everything. Um, and so, you know, when you're 18 and you're a baby, you're like, your world is still somewhat concrete. So I'm like, oh, okay, right. well, the how and the why of a thing 
and I just decided on bodies. <laughs> <laughs> Dead bodies particularly. <laughs> particularly. Yeah. So I started taking classes and I'm like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> I can't wait till track practice starts later today. Well, so to be an athlete there, so practice started at like two in the afternoon. So you had to fit all of your classes in before noon. Well, as an 18, 19 or 20 year old who's like partying at night when you sleep in, you usually sleep in till like noon right so i wasn't skipping a class here and there you're skipping school i was skipping school <laughs> and then going to track practice right. <laughs> and i was like hmm i feel like this is probably not the best way for me to do this um the school agreed and i was <laughs> invited to take some time off Smart, <laughs> instead yeah. of coming back the next year <laughs> um and in the meantime i also broke my foot um which is not really conducive for a collegiate track uh, career either. Yeah. So um, instead of going to school and going to track, um, I just uh, partied a lot. So, you know, I was pretty much drinking or smoking weed. Did you stay out there after that initial year or did you, no. you came home? So, <laughs> so, all right. So this is kind of where when you said it seems out of left field. Yeah. So there was always yeah. this like persona of Annie of like oh she's bubbly and happy and like and she's this track star and she's you know really good in school and she's got this great family and blah 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 blah. so how do I come back and tell everybody like man I fucked up like right. real real bad I'd gained like 20 pounds at that time and at five foot two 110 pounds looks a lot different than 130 pounds yeah. so I'm like I'd gained all this weight I have no stories to tell other than like, yeah, I met these other stoners on campus and we took country cruises every day. <laughs> right. Like that was my collegiate experience. And like, how do I go? Oh, I went in in the honors college and I came out with an invitation to take a year off from Western Illinois. They basically were like, you can leave now. Thank you. Did um, you feel at that time like you were not necessarily letting somebody down other than yourself, but like, did you come back feeling like a failure? Yes. So I left school right from right from western i packed i had a little hyundai elantra and i packed everything that didn't fit in it and this sounds dramatic but it's truly what i did including including my brother's uh playstation 2 i'm sorry roger i still owe you money for that <laughs> he's like you would totally my little brother's like you would totally take this playstation 2 to school just make sure you bring it back and i was like totally and then i fucking sold it wow because <laughs> i was like i gotta get to florida so i have my older brother pat who lived in Florida and I hadn't seen him in four or five years. And uh, so I called him up and I'm like, yo, where do you live? I'm going to, I'm going to print out some MapQuest directions. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> <old sentence. laughs> I'm going to come down and see you. <laughs> so I did, but I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my mom. And so, you know, school gets done in May. So I left school. I drove all the way down to Florida and I called my mom on that Sunday, which was mother's day. And I'm like, I'm in Florida. I don't have a plan. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know when and if I'll be back. And so I love you. Nice. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I'm down there with my big brother and, and he helped me get a job. I ended up getting a job on at TJ Fridays. And um, yeah, and I just, I hung out down there for, I don't know, months, I guess. And I was working and having a blast. But it was the first time in my life that like, I kind of felt, I felt like, well, you already messed up. You already messed up. Yeah. So 
you've already deviated from the plan. Right. And I don't even know whose plan it was. Their plan, yeah, I guess. That elusive the they, they. Right? That Do good in school, go to college, yeah. get a career, da, da, da. The societal whatever. <laughs> right. And like we talked, you and I have talked about before, like if it's not done perfectly, mm -hmm. if it's not an A-plus job, it's a it's an absolute failure. Is that a little Aries I smell? I don't think so. It's possible. <laughs> So yeah, so like I, I'm like, so I'm there in Florida. I'm feeling like a degenerate, even though, obviously in hindsight, really wasn't that big of a deal. Sure, but also if you're going to be a degenerate, you're definitely going to like ground zero. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> Hialeah, Florida, Miami. That's where I went with like, I was the only, I was the only American and the only white person in my group of friends, and that coming from Oswego and then going to yeah. Macomb, Illinois, I was like, I felt like. Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. It was like, ah, <laughs> holy crap, there's this world out here. And like, listen to all these perspectives. <laughs> like, listen to all these. So I, I had a moment. I was with my, my friend Maria. and She was Colombian. And we were driving. And there was some guy on the side of the road. And again, we were in like Hialeah, Florida or whatever. And he has his, his hood up. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to pull over and help him. She's like, Jesus, God, no, keep driving. I'm like, what are you talking about? He, he, he needs help. She's like... It, someone else can help him. Right. Two 20 year old girls yeah. are not going to pull over on the side of the road <laughs> and help this guy. And, I'm, and truly, I was like, why wouldn't we? I like the idea that somehow you're the country bumpkin. To <laughs> just oh, so gosh. Naive. I had my little like red Hollister hoodie that was like <laughs> probably a little bit too small for me. And like, you know. Um, and I remember being down there speaking of the humidity, you know, and it was the first time like I had my hair back and there were these little curls that came out and I was like, oh my gosh, do I have curly hair? Maria was like, no, no you just, not, it's not just real, real hot down yeah, here. It's just gross here. <laughs> like, okay. So I had like all these moments, but overall it was the first time that like I did what I wanted and there was no expectations, whether those expectations were placed on me by myself or by somebody else or whatever. Um, and it was so freeing. And then, <laughs> and then, and then I needed to come back home. And so, you know, I called Jason Carey. <laughs> I was like, Jay, can you come and save me? Like I am two steps away from getting into a lot of trouble down here. And I just need <laughs> to come get me. So he drove down, of course, because he's amazing. He is the best person I think we know. Yeah. I think he's still underrated, even. Yeah. Yes. And he's mean to himself, and that makes me mad. Yeah. So I feel like the only time I'm mad at Jason Carey is when he's being mean to himself, which I'm is... I'm mean to him a lot also, but, like, in a fun way. That's our relationship. <laughs> in a fun way. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So Jason Carey came back and saved me, and but I but there again, I didn't want to go home. Right. So I immediately moved into this apartment, because then I just transferred up to a TJ Fridays up here on 59. Nice. Um, immediately got in with the, you know the crowd up there and moved into an apartment with a girl that I barely even knew, but she was looking for a roommate. I'm like, well, I don't want to go home. So that was Naperville. <clears throat> and then, um, I, so how long were you in Florida then? Um, I just a few months. Or? Yeah, I think like a few months. Okay. Um, I don't even know how long, five, not a year. Yeah. Um, so I think beyond the summer, September, October, I don't know, four or five months. I think. Yeah. And then I came back up here, Got a job, TJ Fridays. I had a regular customer um, who would come in on their lunch break from Singular, and uh, <laughs> now AT&T. And admittedly, probably in a flirtatious way, you know, I would always be like, oh, it's my guy, like, come on sure. over. And, you know, I'd you always take money. the table. Right, for sure. Yeah. 
And so he's like, hey, you know, do this do this interview, we're looking for people. And I'm like, to sell cell phones? Like, I'm not a tech person, I'm not whatever. So I would kind of push this off, push this off. And then, um, you know, I didn't have any money, so my cell phone got turned off. So I ended up having to go across to the singular every day after my shift and put a little bit of money down on my cell phone bill. <laughs> so he was seeing me every day anyway. Yeah. And like, I'm super embarrassed, because I'm like, is, is how many more monies until my phone gets turned back on, you know? Yeah. And uh, so eventually, he was like, just come in for an interview. I did, and then um, ended up getting the job. Totally surprised myself, and um, and within a couple of months was making six figures. And so yeah, I was 20 years that's old, crazy. and I was like, "This is amazing!" Mm -hmm. So I bought my my little Lancer OZ Rally, which I sold to Katie Leisure at one point. Nice. Um, and so between her and I, we I think we drove it into the ground from brand new off the dealer lot with 50 miles on it, all the way drove it into the ground. Between that's the awesome. Us. But yeah, I bought my Lancer, so then now I'm on the high horse, right? I got this beautiful apartment, and I was, like, taking weekend trips to San Diego, like, staying at the W in downtown wow. because I could, yeah. you know, and, like, taking, like, solo trips, just, like, yeah. doing my thing. Um, and then um, I was dating a guy at the time, and he lived out in Northern California. He was a snowboarder, so, um, you know, I would go out there and, and see him and spend weekends up there and I don't know it was it was it was really fun like it was definitely different than anything I had ever grown up with like yeah. never looking at price tags or right whatever it's actually funny because I just recently changed my cell phone plan because I'm still at AT&T from when I signed up with you I, everybody 20 years ago <laughs> and they're literally like uh they're like oh you're getting an 18 percent discount are you still working at Coca-Cola uh-huh and I'm like it's totally <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been delivery guy there for 30 years. <laughs> That's right. I gave everybody the Pepsi Cola discount. Oh my gosh, too funny. Yeah, I, I did. I think I signed everybody up. Yeah. Because I was 19 or 20 when I started yeah. working there. And How long did you work there for? Um, seven, seven years, just under seven years. Now, I know because we talked about this before. So you're talking about being 20, six-figure income for quite a long time. How much of that money lasted until after that job? Uh, we're sitting in a big part of it because I had this pension, but also when I left, well then, so I met Q while I was working there and I kept going for promotions and going for promotions and they kept turning me down. And part of it was because they were like, well, you're really good in sales. Yeah. I'm like, well, I know, I know I'm good in sales, but right. I don't like working for commission. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, I was making 750 an hour. Right. But making six figures was all commission. And by then yeah. I was doing business to business. That sales. was at the boom too though, where it was yeah. like the money in cell phones at that time oh my was gosh. insane. Right place at the right time. Oh, and yeah. we were union workers, so we had a contract and we had just signed the contract right before the Motorola Razor came out. Oh, wow. And it was all so it was a four year contract based on the Nokia yeah. penny phones. And so like our new line goals was like 11 phones a month right. we were doing like yeah, the, 50 the razor 60, blew up so 70 much. Yeah. new lines a month yeah people were moving from other we were doing and then that's when family plans yep. started because there wasn't family plans before that that was the best time to be in it really oh my gosh absolutely right i place think once right that time. started drying up it was an absolute nightmare well that's so that's why i started wanting to move up and get yeah. these corporate salaries um and I just, uh, and they wouldn't move me, they wouldn't move me. And then eventually I asked my district manager, I'm like, what 
am I missing? Because I'm getting I'm getting passed over for people that I've trained. Right. Like what is happening? Yeah. And she's like, we just don't have a presence as a leader. And Ooh. I'm like, what does that even mean? I don't know, but it, it hurt my heart to hear it. It did. <laughs> and it, well, first she says you don't have the presence that we need. And I'm like. I will always be five foot two. Like, I don't know what yeah. you mean, you know? Well, that's interesting to me because I feel like you can command a room. And, and now, now, I guess that's now, that's something that you've uh, acquired along the way. Yes. But I guess, yeah, 20 years ago, 15 years Can ago, anyone yeah. command a room without being a total asshole at 23? I don't, I don't think know. so. Even, if you, even when you tell me you're 23, I'm like, shut up. Right. <laughs> you and you're, you and you, right, exactly. You're, so I'm just, I don't know. So yeah, but I, it, was a good, it was a good lesson and it hurt. But then, you know, that's when I first started looking into like books like Who Moved My Cheese and like all these like leadership, you know, yeah. I found like the Maxwell stuff and, and Seven Habits of the Highly Effective. And so um, that kind of got me into like my self-help reading, yeah. which has been, holy cow, that changed my entire perspective on everything because, you know, we only know what we know. And by That's then true. it had been what my parents had taught me, what I had been telling myself about being a failure at college and, mm-hmm. you know, slinking into the cell phone store to pay my, pay off my bill to get my phone yeah. turned back on. And then listening to them tell you you're not... You don't have the presence to go beyond where you are. Right. And I was like, well, I'm out of here. I was in love at this point. I had Marquette. I had this nice, like, little nest egg of money. Where did you meet Marquette? (laughs) Give me a little sidebar. Oh, man. Such a funny story. I'll make it quick because you know me. I can talk forever. So, (laughs) oh, I learned a new word, too. I'm trying to think of what it is. Verbose. I'm a very verbose person. Interesting. Right? I like it. I also like that. (laughs) So, um, but yes, uh, I was, I heard it on a podcast, as a matter of fact. So, um, Emily. So I had this relationship that was horrific, and um, and then so you know I was hanging out with Emily a lot, and she's like, I'm I'm dating this. This is me on the phone. I'm dating this guy, <laughs> and uh, he's a lead singer of this band, and you know his bass player. And I'm like, Emily, like you know, remember this is me with my corporate income i'm like girl i ain't no groupie okay i'm not dating no bass player yeah but i definitely spy spaced him i was like but what's his name (laughs) you know (laughs) also bass players they're awesome yes and i was like well i do know some bass players and they are um and so she kept being like you know come to the show come to the show i'm like if this dude's gonna be there i'm not coming and she's like all right well tell him you said hi i'm like do not tell him i said hi You know, and she's like, well, he's, he's, uh, (laughs) he's, um, a a Latino. That's what she said. She goes, he's a Latino. And I know how you like those Latin guys. (laughs) And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know where she got that from? Because when we were kids, I had a crush on Antonio Banderas from, uh, uh, Desperado. And so she's like, I know how you like the Latin guys. I'm like, no, I think Antonio (laughs) Banderas is cute. That's the extent of my liking. That's so funny. (laughs) So anyway. Um, although Jason Carey does kind of act like a cholo sometimes. Also, <laughs> if you've seen that one picture of in his yearbook when he has the mustache. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, he was raised in Aurora. Right. And he's as close as you can get to being Hispanic I mean, without some, being Hispanic. Sometimes our best friends know us better than we know ourselves. Maybe I do like Latin guys. I just didn't know. It seems to have gone that way. <laughs> so anyway, um, but yeah, so she's like, yeah, meet this guy, meet this guy. I don't want to meet this guy. So I end up having this knockdown drag out with my ex because, you know, you know, it's never over right at the end. Right. You know, you have that lag. Yeah. 
So we had this fight or whatever. I ended up punching a wall and I was like, okay, that is way outside of who yeah, I am. Right. So I called Emily. I'm like, where are you at? She's like, I'm in Rockford. I'm like, I could use a drive anyway. So I drive up to Rockford and mine sight's playing. And as soon as I walk in, and she didn't tell me because I asked her. I was right. like, you know, she's like, no, 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 it's not, it's not my boyfriend's band. It's not like, we're just up here at this bar. I'm well, like, She blatantly cool. lied. Oh, 100%. <laughs> so I get up there. I see her. She's like, hey. You know, she's been there for hours. So she looks up on stage. And now remember, I only know from MySpace, like yeah. what these guys look like. And it's not like, I haven't really been interested, so I haven't been. So I was like, I look back at Emily, and she's waving to Q, who's currently playing a set. Right. And she's pointing at me. That's her. This is her. And I was like, you bitch. Yeah. So, and so he looks at me and he's like, and then he's like playing. And I was like, no, I'm not here for you. So God knows what she told this guy before, you know. So anyway, so he comes off stage. I don't want to be a jerk. So I'm like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll buy us some drinks. So I buy him a drink. I buy myself a drink. We're, we're sitting at this table. We're standing at this table. I'm like, I gotta go to the bathroom and I leave like drive away. So like 30 <laughs> minutes later, my phone rings and it's Emily and I'm driving home and I'm fully prepared to be like, what in the, mu- who, I thought you liked me, right. you know? And it's Q. And I'm like, oh, hello. And he's like, hey, you know, Emily wouldn't give you my number. I'm like, well, that was nice of her, yeah. you know? And he's like, I just like, I don't know what happened. I'm like, look, man, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even have this other guy completely out of my life. Like, I can't even make him go away yet. Like, we right. have a lease together, and we're going to be, I like, I don't, like, I don't have it in me right now. And I'm like, I'm sure you're a nice guy. Oh, that's right, because by then, Emily had been like, oh, you know, he's a divorcee. And I'm like, what are you trying to do to me? <laughs> so she, so he, um, I was like, he's like, well, can I, can I copy your number down? I'm like, why don't I take your number down? <laughs> now you have to remember, this is back in the day of like no Bluetooth and my car was a stick shift. And oh, so wow. I'm all like, yeah, what's yeah. your number on my Blackberry? I'll remember it. <laughs> right. I'm like, what's your number? And literally in my car, I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Yep. And then I go, listen, <laughs> I'm like, I feel so bad. Don't, I'm probably not going to call you. And he was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> He's so, such an asshole. I, I love it. So well, much. I was just trying to be honest, but I which I prefer. Like right. we should all be like that, but we're so not used to it that we're like, "What a dick!" Right? And he was like, oh, "Oh, okay." And I'm like, "I'm so like, I'm sorry." And I don't know what Emily's told you, but like I've told her repeatedly, like to don't, to don't. He's like, "All right." So we hang up the phone. So fast forward like a month. And, uh, and it's Halloween and Emily's like, oh, I'm going to this Halloween party. You should come. And I'm like, that's fine. So I come to the Halloween party, I immediately walk in the house and I'm like, a woman doesn't live here. This is not, <laughs> there is no female that lives in this house. And I'm met by this 120 pound, all black German shepherd. Who's I'm like, oh my God, what is this? And, um, and of course it was Q's house. So I look at Emily again and I look at Marquette and I'm like, because now I feel like a jerk. This is the first time I've had to face this guy, yeah. you know, after I've kind of been, and I look at him and I was like, hey, you know, and he just looks at me and like walks away and I'm like, oh, well, I deserve this. <laughs> so then I'm thinking, I'm like wrestling with my, um, my pride, I guess. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to leave. Fuck this. I'll you know show what? them. I'm going to enjoy the hell out of this party. <laughs> I so, like that you're going <laughs> to enjoy this party out of spite. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I even grabbed a pumpkin and I like was carving a pumpkin. I was like, yeah, man. So anyway, so the night ends. It's it's Emily and her boyfriend and me and Q left because Emily's needs a ride home, you know, or she's going to stay or whatever. So Emily's 
she falls down and she bruises her ear, like immediately her ear bruises. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how does that even happen? So of course I pull up my phone and take a picture and Q's like, ha that's hilarious. Can you send it to me? And I'm like, sure, what's your number? So now he knows that he didn't done. But I'm also drunk, we've all been drinking or whatever. So I send it to him, he opens, like his phone dings and he's like, and he clips it closed and he goes, now I got your number. And I was like, that's really good actually. Pretty smart. Pretty smart. So he goes, I know you didn't use mine, but can I use yours? And I was like, Actually, you've been a dick to me all night. <laughs> you know. So anyway. I like that you doubled down on being an asshole. Right. So we ended up, so I moved, you know, and, and at this point in time, I lived in a different apartment. This other guy was long gone. And uh, so, yeah, so I, I had, Q started coming over and hanging out. And we hung out, I think, for like a month or two before we even really got, like, saucy. You know, boyfriend, girlfriend. Yeah. And um, I love how it happened, too, because we used to play shows with those guys. Yeah. Anyways, like I knew them anyway. Yeah. Outside of all of this. All brewing. of this nonsense. <laughs> right. Well, and Emily, I think, just met her boyfriend at the time. I think she just met him on MySpace. Yeah. I don't think there was any like. Well, back then you could do that. Right. <laughs> and it wasn't really weird. We were just all kind of learning at that time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, no, it was, that was, so that was the story. And then really like, I mean, within a couple of months of dating, we were both like, I think you might be, this is, I like how this feels, Yeah. you know? And, um, and that's not to say that, that, you know, the first, I mean, we've been together now 16 years. That's wild, right? Yeah. It's too long. 2007. So wow. is when we started dating. And I mean, by, by Christmas time of 2007 or maybe New Year's of 2008, we were talking about like, holy crap. And he'd been married before and he had a long-term relationship after his first wife. I had had a really long-term relationship before this other, you know, interim a-hole. Yeah. And, um, and, placeholder. uh, right. The placeholder. <laughs> and, uh, and so I was like, and I'm not a particularly romantic person. So I'm like, what am I talking about two months in? Yeah. That's interesting to me too, because you're a very loving person, mm-hmm. but not a romantic person. Yeah. And it's just crazy. It's crazy. Cause you'd think that those work together. Yeah. Uh, and they're kind of two sides of the same coin, but it's really not Yeah. at all. Like you can genuinely be loving and enjoy everything. And just be like, we don't have to do all this dumb shit. Like, yeah. it's not, not that it's dumb shit by any means, but I'm just saying. For me, in after a certain point, it feels performative. Right. And I don't, I don't like that. I think I just try to like when I am a loving, I guess, to use that. I just, it's just how I feel. Yeah. I've gotten to a point in my life that I mean, because I could go on. There's, it's been a crazy road from 18 to 40, but like, <laughs> <clears throat> you know, we we. I never listened to how I felt. I always performed, I guess, to right. whatever the standards were that I perceived people were placing on me. Yeah. And some probably that I, you know, put well, on you myself. You mentioned that when you were leaving college, like, because I, I feel like I've struggled with that a lot too, where I'm, I'm, I'm who I am when I'm me, mm-hmm. when nobody's around, but then I have to be who I think they want me to be when I'm around other people. Yes. And it's taking, it's like, a re- that fucks you up when you're a kid for a long time. And it's yeah. probably taking until I was upwards of my 30s until I was finally like, hey, I'm just going to be me and fuck y'all if you can't handle it. Right. Yes, exactly. And I will say that that started, so my mom, my mom got cancer when I was 32. And my mom was like my person, you yeah. know, for sure. And, uh, and 
up, up to that point. I mean, I was trying, you know, I've got two kids, I'm running around, I'm, I'm trying, you know, Q always, Q and I in the beginning especially had a lot of ups and downs and they were all very, like, the ups were fantastic and the downs were like, we should probably get divorced. Like, yeah. it was, it was a roller coaster for, I would say, the first five or six years maybe even. And, um, and, but a lot of that came from me people pleasing, I guess. And I hate that word because it sounds cliche because the emotion that comes with people pleasing is so much more uh, multifaceted and comes from a different place. I I feel like people get to people pleasing from a lot of different ways. There's not like, oh, this happened. And so now this person's a people pleaser. Sure. It's so, you know, layered why, why we get there. So I feel like when we just call it people pleasing people are like oh yeah i know what that is it's very it's a very blanket statement on yeah. a pretty complex idea yeah yeah so you know i i but i mean i always did that and so i would drive myself nuts because i'm like well how do i make my husband happy and how do i make my kids happy and how do i you know do what i think my mom wants me to do and da, 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 da. and um and you know i i got to a point where like the, the president of the pto at the school was like i'm stepping down and i think you do a great job and any other version of Annie in that moment would have been like, yeah, absolutely. And then hung up the phone and been like, I don't fucking want to do this. Right. You know what? I don't have time. I don't have the mental bandwidth for it. And so I like heard myself was having like an out of body experience was like, I don't think I can. I mean, I'm driving an hour each way twice a week for chemo for my mom. And, you know, I just Jade's starting preschool and Draven's, you know, we're getting Draven evaluated for an IEP. Like I got I, I just I don't have it, you know. And, um, and she's like, oh, okay. She's like, no problem. I was going to also ask, you know, so-and-so. And, um, but anyway, girl, we got to totally catch up. We'll have some wine after school one day. And hung up the phone. And I remember having this, like, we're still friends? Is that, was that the turning point? Like, that's a trigger where you're like, I just set a boundary? I said no. And it was like... Fine. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> right. Yes, it was. And I could tell you where I was at on, yeah. on, on the road here. Like, because I remember being like... That it's it's seriously that easy. Yeah. What have I been doing for thirty three years? Well, I think we kind of, <laughs> but we kind of grew up in houses where the options were not options. Mm-mm-mm. It was no, you you need to do like, hey, good children do this, right? Or people that love their parents do this, or and people like, who are worthy of love. Holy manipulation! Perform these things, it's, and then yeah. they get. It's like, almost like getting gaslighted for fifteen years is problematic. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, you might be right. You might be on something there. You should write a book. <laughs> so that was a hell of a tangent, but we, back to nesting then. Yeah. After the cell phones, uh, you move on from there. Where do you go after that? Um, I had my personal training certificate. Yeah. So I went to export as a personal trainer, um, and this was in 2008. And so it was the economy was tanking. People were cutting out luxuries like, I don't know, personal trainers. Right. And, um, and I'm like, crap, at this point, because I left school, so I never went back and got any kind of education. No. Um, I tried to get back into cell phones. I went and worked for uh, Verizon, and it was it just what the money wasn't there anymore. Yeah. They, they, once they caught on to what had happened, right. they immediately shifted it to be like, Absolutely. Okay, well, we're bleeding money. <laughs> exactly. Well, and the, and the cell phone companies had all renegotiated their, con- their union contracts. Yeah. So now I'd be doing the same amount of work for like 50 grand, which again, is nothing to sneeze at. For sure. But also at that point, you remember, because I, I worked at Verizon for like two weeks. That's right. And that was the same time after that initial boom had subsided. 
they started opening third-party carriers yes. and ruined the experience. Absolutely. Like, it just, ugh, it was horrible. And they looked then. so much like corporate stores mm-hmm. that people didn't know the difference. Right. And they'd go in and get this horrendous service yeah, and it, then be like, oh, AT&T sucks. Right, or, they'd blame the company. And you're like, why would they even license this out? This is so stupid. Right. So, yeah. So, I tried to go back to Verizon. The money was terrible. I tried to go back to export then and, and you know, just do what you know. And yeah. at this point, I didn't know anything else. And then I found out I was pregnant. And so, Q and I were engaged at this point and then found out that the baby was due the same, like, week that we were going to get married. Oh. So, I was like, I don't... Even as a little, like a little girl, I never dreamed of my wedding. I was like, we don't need to get married right. Like, I don't care right. about that, yeah. you know. Um, so we waited. There's still a weird stigma, especially about being pregnant. Yeah. Right, where it's like, oh shit, we have nine months to to do this, or we're gonna, or somebody's gonna think about us. <laughs> right, and th- and that was it too. Is part of me was like, we already had it planned. Right. Now it's gonna look like. Yeah. We did this because it's going to look like a shotgun wedding. Right. And also, was, if you don't want to get married, you're still allowed to have kids. <laughs> right. Well, and that's just it, too. So, and, there, and there's part of me in the back of my head, because now this is a new relationship. Remember, we had just started dating in 2007, so here I am in at the end of 28, pregnant yeah. and engaged. And so I still don't really know him. We don't know each other. And, and I you know, was kind of like, does this guy just like to be married? Like, he's been married before. And then he had another relationship in between that was significant. Yeah. And I was like, maybe this is just a guy who likes to be married. Like, I don't need that, yeah. you know? And so I, we had a lot of talks. And I'm like, we, we can get married later. We can never get married. I'm like, I would never hold the kid, the kid from you. Right. I would never be a jerk like sure. that, you know, but whatever. So, um, so, yeah, so I couldn't go back to really personal training past a certain point. So then I ended up working at um, Turf Room. Uh, over here, so I, I worked there, pregnant, and so and my son was born in August, so it was like the height of the summer was like also the height of my pregnancy. Yeah. So I was walking around with these like beautifully sparkling like watermelon martinis outside <laughs> on the patio, and I'm just like, here's your martini. Yeah. Can I just have one little watermelon ball? Can I just have one? I put an extra one on your straw. Can I just have it? Um, I actually remember you being incredibly pregnant because there was a get together at. Your guys' place. It was our baby shower. That's right. On the 4th of July. Yeah, because so I, I was there. Uh, yeah. And because I have a picture of me, you, and Jess all with our pregnant-looking bellies. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, well, that was our baby shower. And, you know, just to tell you where I was at, like, maturity-wise, we had a keg. And mm-hmm. instead of regular baby shower, baby, uh, I guess I shouldn't call it maturity. It's just more my personality, I guess. Yeah. But, like, Instead of like traditional baby shower games, we had drinking games. So we had like a chugging contest out of baby bottles. And so I have pictures of like Jay Schwartfiger and Lindsey Stanley and, you know, <laughs> and, and Q chugging. And of course, I wasn't drinking. I was, um, Guinness makes a non alcoholic beer. Yeah. So I was sipping my, I played Flippy Cup with my belly out to here. I'm like, ah, this is an unfair <laughs> advantage, you know? Um, <laughs> but yeah, oh my God. Amazing story about Dan T. So he was there too, and because it was that the weekend of the Fourth of July, um, some people were staying and some people were going to Leisure's house. Yeah. And so T ended up staying naturally. Better been naturally that kid. If he would have left, I would have been like, "What the hell, man?" Yeah. Well, because <laughs> I remember that was also the night where T was shooting bottle rockets out of Walsh's pants. <laughs> 
Well, it's, it was only because we ran out of um, bell peppers. So <laughs> he comes running, in, and now it's late at this point. He comes running in the house. He goes, we need produce. And I was like, what? You know, because we were all having a conversation in the kitchen, and T comes busting. We need produce. I'm like, produce? And without asking any questions, because why would I? I'm well, like, also, whatever comes out of T's mouth. It's gospel. Yeah. It's somehow you're just like, that's not weird. Yeah. Let's get him produce. Right. Well, I lived with him for a year in my AT&T days. Nice. And that yeah. was like, man, we had a good time. That had to be Walsh's, some of the funnest times oh, ever. That's like, I could tell stories about that for like a whole other. I would love to just do an episode of that. Yeah. Like just to hear about that the year. The shenanigans. Yeah. Oh, they were amazing. God, he's so amazing. But anyway, yeah. So he comes running. He's like, we need produce. I'm like, bottom drawer of the kitchen, you know, whatever. So he grabs everything, all of my <laughs> produce. And I'm like. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought you were like needed an apple or something. So he takes everything out and he runs back outside. And I'm like, what is happening? I did not go to investigate. Right. But whatever. So then I realized that they're stuffing these like whatever they had, black cats or whatever, in the produce and exploding the produce everywhere. Yeah, like you do. Like you do, naturally. <laughs> so then, yeah, so one of the Aurora cadets came up and, uh, you know, was like, hey, everybody. Yeah. I wish I could blow off fireworks too, but that's legal. <laughs> well, by then we'd blown everything off. Yeah. So he was like, "We, I need to talk to you know the person that lives in the house." So here comes me at one fifteen a.m. out to your pregnant, <laughs> and I was like, "Can I help you, uh, officer?" Because it was a cadet. <laughs> officer. <laughs> officer. So, uh, yeah, so he says the same thing to me. He's like, you know, I, I would blah, blah, blah. You can't be doing this. And I'm like, we, we're not doing anything. We have sparklers. Yeah. And he, like, looked at me, and he, like, looked at, like, the debris on the street. <laughs> T goes, lights a sparkler, and he's like. It <laughs> <laughs> was the, you couldn't have scripted it better. <laughs> it's like, so I just looked at T, and I was like. My man. <laughs> so the cadet, he couldn't do anything. We weren't, yeah. we didn't have anything left. So I like that like, still at this point in my life, am I still my trigger or my initial reaction is to lie to the cops? 100%. Yes. yes. <laughs> What's your name? Henry. What? Yeah. Rietta. <laughs> she showed me a warrant. Why are you talking to me? <laughs> oh man, search my car. Absolutely not. Um, but yeah. So yeah, that was our, that was our baby shower. That was our party, our baby shower. So yeah, so, um, Nest egg. I had a pension, um, but I was 25 and I didn't know what that meant. What do you do with a pension? I'm like, wait, hold on. I have $46,000 sitting someplace. Yeah. I'll have that. Right. Don't you know if I do. What are you right? So um, I rolled most of it over into an IRA, but I took out, I shouldn't say most of it. I, I rolled half of it over into an IRA and then I took the other half um, and we, well, because after, the jo- after that job ended, I mean, I kept spending with the idea of replenishment, right. but that wasn't happening. Yeah. So very quickly we ran out of our, we, I ran out <laughs> of my liquid assets. Right. Um, you know, and, and Q's job was kind of up in the air and- At that point, what was Q doing? Dents, he's always done dents. Okay. Since I've known him. But at some point you guys, you guys started a business. Right, so in 2012, so Draven was three and Jade was not born yet but she was on her way. Okay, so then I, yeah, so then I, I started working for a design build firm because money was just tight and we yeah. were behind on our mortgage. And I mean, I went from- Had you already bought this house? No, we were in Aurora still. 
Okay, you got... Uh, you Jade was born in Aurora. He Did he own that house? He owned that house. Okay. So that was his... After he got divorced, he was like, I just need a place because right. I don't want to go back to my parents. Right. So he, um, he paid over asking for it because... Um, like on purpose? Yes, because he's like, I need... Like, there was two other... Oh, okay. It was a bidding war. To get war. the house. He's yeah. like, I just need Yeah, this something. has to happen. Right. right. So he, he, he paid 160 or 180 or something for that house. And it wow. was a two-bedroom, one-bathroom A-frame with 900 square feet in yeah. Aurora. Yeah. And like, yep. So, but he was like, I need the house. And that was also at the top of that bubble. That was 2006. Yeah, that's true. And then 2008, everything yeah. crashed. So we short sold that house. That was a nightmare. But anyway, so we actually <laughs> rented this place for the first two years because oh, our nice. credit was, you know. So bad, yeah. And then the landlord was going to leave, uh, was going to sell it. And we were like, can we just buy it? Yeah. So we got this place for a steal, but it needs a lot of work, as you know. I do know. I'm very hypercritical about it. You are. I, I, I think your sentiment <laughs> generally is your house needs a hug. I was going to say it right now. It just needs a hug. It's a beautiful property. Uh, it's a, all these mature trees is insane. The house even is beautiful. Like it's got an old school feel. Yeah. But it feels like home, which if you've listened to the first episode of the podcast, I don't know what that's like. Yeah. So it's comforting to kind of be there, and that comes also because of the energy that you guys have put into it. Ah, thanks. Yeah. Uh, no, but it definitely we need new floors, we need new windows, we need new cabinets, we need new plumbing, we need new yeah. bathrooms. Yeah. So, like. <laughs> but you guys have a lifetime to start checking those things out. Yeah, we're not. Because even when there's a plan, like there was a plan to put a pool. Because who wants to fix the inside when you can have a pool? Word. Well, we have very wealthy neighbors behind us who said, don't put in $20,000 window, $20, worth of windows. Put in a $20,000 pool. And I was like, okay. Yeah. But then something happened and the pool never is going to at least be put off for a while. Yeah. So hopefully this fall or next or next spring at the latest. But, but I mean, even the garage. I mean, the garage was a nightmare and, yeah. and disgusting. We didn't park cars in here. And, um, you guys still don't park cars in here. He pulls his work cars and stuff. Does in he? Here, but. Okay. But yeah. yeah, the garage is finished. Yeah. And it's like a little uh, gym. Yeah, it's awesome. I like it now. But I mean, this was the paving the driveway was nine thousand dollars. Doing the, um, you know, garage was five thousand dollars. So it's like. Oh, yeah, it's a, it adds up quick. It does. So, but yeah, and the nest egg is non-existent. The, you know, that original money. Yeah. I guess there's some still in the IRA. So when did you guys move in here? We moved in here in 2012. Same in, time you launched a business. Yes. Because so go we, big or go home. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so we started the business in June of 2012 out of the old house, out of necessity. Because here, so I was working at the design build firm. I knew I was going to start taking maternity leave pretty soon, unpaid, because Merca. Right. Um, <laughs> and, you know, so... And then Q was working for a small dent company and his paychecks were bouncing. And I was like, we can't have this. Like right. we're already just making our bills with nothing extra. Like we're not going on vacation anytime soon. Like we're not even going to the Dells. You know, we have nothing extra at this point. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't, we can't wait for two extra weeks because the check bounced. And then that $34 fee that they charge you, like, right. uh, we don't have that. I'm in Aldi at this point in, with a calculator. Yeah. Like, we don't, you know. So, anyway, <laughs> so, yeah, he ends up, uh, um, I was like, fuck it, let's just do it ourselves. Just quit. Cut out the middle, man. Yeah. We'll just start. And he's like, I don't know anything about a business. I'm like, QuickBooks for dummies. <laughs> let's rock and roll. I would say, at that point in your brain, we're like, any ass will go figure out how to run a business. I'll, I'll figure it out. <laughs> 
always. <laughs> that is, that's my mantra in life. Yeah. I, that'll be like my epitaph. It'll be like Annie Clark Frico. I'll figure it out. <laughs> I think that's what I want, actually. Yeah, I like it. I think that that's perfect. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Um, yeah, I think that's why we are where we are now. Like, I, you know, I, I, I don't know, man. I, we have two businesses. Same thing during COVID. I, he was like, I want beignets. I'm like, well, we can't travel. He's like, I wonder if we could make beignets. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, like, we can do anything. So he made beignets. He's like, these are delicious. I have my beignets. I'm like, we should start a business. <laughs> he was like, what? I'm like, yeah. He's like, we already have one. I'm like, good. Now we, so that means we already know what we're doing. Why not two? Why not two? So yeah, so we, you know, so we got the beignet business going. And then in the midst of all that, I'm like, I should go get my degree. <laughs> so I went back to school. I finished my undergrad in two years. And then took two months off and I was like, I should go to grad school. So I did. <laughs> and then I got my master's in like, I don't know, 14 months or something like that. Um, all while trying to keep one existing business afloat during COVID, building a new business <laughs> during COVID, yeah. raising my children, keeping my marriage together. Um, and working a job. And working a job. You were a, that, you were a parent <laughs> yeah, at that time right. also. Yeah. And I feel like people will be like, I don't know how you do it. I'm like, I'm just doing it. Yeah. Well, from the outside in, it's like, holy Christ. Yeah. This is way too much. How does one person juggle all that? Right. But like when you're in it and you're you, it's like, this is just what I do. I don't. Yeah. And it never, I mean, certainly it felt. That is a big horsefly. Well, I probably did that myself. <laughs> probably. Let him in. Let him in. Yeah, he'll figure it out. <laughs> well, we have the screen to keep the bugs out. Yeah. Then I open the back door. Well, now it's keeping that bug <laughs> in. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, and I feel like I just, uh, I don't know. I f- See, this is probably the same reason that I'm bad at, like, when people are like, what do you want for birthday or Christmas? I'm like, I don't know, because when I want something, I just buy it. Uh, I, I'm the exact same way. Like, I, and I, I don't like getting gifts also. And I'm just like, if there's something that I'm after, I'm, I've already done it. Just going to buy it. Or it's already in it. the works. Or do it. Like, right. I don't, uh, and I don't like surprises. Like, <laughs> I think it's just because that's the Aries asshole part mm-hmm. where it's like, we're self-sufficient. Yes. And we're going to just do what we need to do for ourselves. Which is also a trauma response. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hyper-independence is a trauma response. That's true. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, it's. I don't know. So, and now it's now and things are good. It's always up and down. Um, but I feel like I'm definitely in a place because of all of the craziness over my lifetime. Yeah. What can't I do? Right. You know, actually, I don't want to ask the universe that question. Please don't send me something. It's not I can't a challenge. Do. Right. It's not a challenge. Yeah, just, what I mean is, point. you know, how much better could it get? Yeah, everything so. is, you know, well, you, you've earned it all. That's kind of the beauty of it is uh, you've created this life. And that's pretty amazing. I think that's what I like that word better than earned it because yeah. I, I don't ever want to like, I'm not interested in the hustle. Yeah. Like, I don't want to like hustle and grind. See, and that's, that's fascinating because I think people, because you're such at a high level of doing so much, people presume, oh, Annie's got that hustle. And it's like, no, 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 Annie doesn't want to deal with the hustle, so she's doing all this. Right, like, yeah, definitely. And I just, I don't, 
and I don't, I can't sit still, which could be ADHD. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, I'm yeah. diagnosed with that for uh -huh. sure. But it's, um, but it's like, I can't, like even last night, Q was, <laughs> we're sitting downstairs. He's like, you want to watch a movie? I'm like, sure. I don't know why I ever say yes, because I can't watch a movie. And he, so he puts on Indiana Jones. I'm like, well, I'm definitely not going to be able to sit here for two hours for that. Okay, first off, so, it's amazing. It is amazing, <laughs> but it's like all the amazing parts. I feel like I got those, <laughs> but all the rest, I was like, anyways, yeah. we got a new washer and dryer, so I'm going to do a little laundry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and like, I can't, but he's even just like, how do you not sit still? I'm like, I, yeah. I can't. You don't have an off button. I can't. Yeah. And like some people, you're like, you need to just fucking stop for a little bit. Yeah. What happens if you stop for a little bit? I'm sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got to recharge. Pretty much it's it. a lot of work to keep you going. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, no, if I do, like, I, I'm, it's uncomfortable to me. Yeah. And that's when my mind starts racing. Right. So, like, you know, that, that inattentive inability to focus and get distracted and you're a little bit here and a little bit there and a little all the, the hallmarks and and the jokes and the tiktoks that you see of adhd and stuff yeah um is like that happens to me when i stop right so if i keep going but i also have this push to be industrious and productive so like i don't know i i guess it, yeah it's it's sort of a self-soothing to continue moving yeah but it also has to be a means to some kind of an end even if that end is 60 years in the future right well you know? i think that that's what your your self-care looks like is those exact things that you just said like everybody presumes it's like slowing down disconnecting so like, uncomfortable oh, for me yeah it's different for everybody whatever your particular experiences and body needs is what you want to give it for any kind yeah. of self-care. Yeah, self-care for me would be killing myself in the gym for an hour. Yeah. I When I get done and I'm sweating and I'm sore and I'm like breathing heavy and my face is red, I'm like, oh, yeah. this is great. <laughs> you know, like that's, I don't know. I, I can't like, I don't get my nails done. I don't particularly love getting my hair done. I love Heather. Yeah. But I, it's uncomfortable for me to sit there for an hour and a half and have her yeah. do my hair, which is part of the reason I'm just letting it go. Yeah, I, your hair looks amazing, actually. Like letting Thank you. it go and just kind of letting it be 40. Mm -hmm. uh, it suits you, Thank you in the most natural, beautiful way. It's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, I like it. I'm a, I'm a fan. So, yeah, I don't know. That's, uh, but that's that. That's kind of, I don't know, what that mean to hear. Yeah, it's a good place to be. Now we're, it's summer right now, and uh, you and I both work in the same school, along with Katie uh, and my sister. This is going to be your first year, because you just said you got your master's degree, and you've been educated now, because you've been a paraprofessional for how many years? Five. And now you're taking over the entire DO program uh, from a teacher uh, perspective, instead of just being like an assistant. Mm-hmm. Where some dickhead like me is going to be your para. <laughs> Probably exactly this dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did you get to there after five? Because obviously you decided to go back to school. Uh, is in particular, why this school and why this program? Oh, I love behaviors. 
I love them. And I didn't know, so I ended up getting a para job just to be on the same schedule as my kids. Right. Um, and have and have summers off and whatever. And have I'm you like, never oh, thought about it? It never crossed your mind before? It was literally just mm-hmm. like, okay. Because I remember, because you kept pushing me to do it, and I'm like, it's so out of my wheelhouse. Right. And then I fell in love with it. Yes. <laughs> and I think that you, so, so I came in as a para. They were like, oh, you're going to be in the DO program. I'm like, what's a DO? They're right. like, you'll find out. Did you make a joke that you were like, what it do? <laughs> what it do? Um, no, that's a missed opportunity. Damn it. That's sad. You know I'm going to think about that now. Like, we'll work it in weeks. next year for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could do it when I introduce the kids to the program in the beginning of the year. I'll be like, what hey, kids. What it do? What it do? Yeah, a lot Why of kids don't like to know they're in a DO program, but sure. Right. <laughs> I See, and I think that it's important that they do. I agree completely. That they, what it do? Um... <laughs> I think it's important for them to be like, hey, you're not here because whatever you think. Maybe I can even ask them. I don't know. Like, what, why do you think? What let's, do you think? Let's take a step back. What is the DO program? Ah, gotcha. So, so I presume every, every school has their own version of whatever they call whatever it. Whatever they call this it. This is what our particular school calls the DO program. So DO program is students who, have, who are labeled with um, emotional or behavioral disorders or both. Does it not stand for something? Isn't it like discipline? Developing opportunities. Developing opportunities. I don't under still after however many years can't get a straight answer on how we came up with developing opportunities. I think it was just to make the joke what it do. What it do, obviously, <laughs> clearly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I came in as a para, and um, we that year was a particularly like people still talk about that year of students, <laughs> and and they they were wild. I mean, it was it was a lot. And well, um, what year was that then? So that would have been twenty eight. 2018? So, yeah. So, 2019? Maybe it's only been four years because it was the COVID year. So, that would have been 2019. So, four years. Okay. You're so, going into so your this will year. be my fifth year. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it was the, cor- the COVID year. So, because I remember, like, we were kind of, like, saved by COVID because things were going w- by March. Mm-hmm. Like, we had kids punching teachers. They spit <laughs> in the one kid who was in a CPI hold, spit in the principal's face. Wow. Like, and called her the B word. I don't know why I just censored myself. But like. We're talking about children. I'm going back to teacher mode. Yeah. I'm like, um. So, yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was wild. And then we went home for COVID. So anyway, yeah. Backing up. That's what it is. I've always loved that nine to 14 age group. Yeah. Always, my whole life. I'm like, what a magical time to hang out with, talk to, mentor, parent whatever a kid whatever positive piece you can be yeah i agree like if you listen to the first episode like that's for me it's the first time that a kid is really learning that adults are full of shit and i love that because they don't know what to do with it yet right uh and like and it doesn't bother me to like as i'm trying to help them for them to think this guy's full of shit too. right some of the things that you have to say as an educator, and I would consider you an educator too. It's really stretching the, the definition, but sure. But aren't you educating them? <laughs> so, I don't know. I think so. I don't want to be held accountable later. As an educator, <laughs> um, as an educator, I feel like you do, you know, you got to prescribe to, here, I think mortgages are crap. I think I think property taxes are crap. If I own my house, mm-hmm. why am I still paying the government for the land that I live on? Right. I think that's crap. I still have to pay my taxes. Sure. So if I want if I want to continue without any kind of problems yeah. from the local authorities. So 
I feel like as an educator in the public school system, there are certain things that you gotta do because you gotta do it. But I think the key is telling the kids, hey, we're doing this because we gotta do it. Yeah. So the lesson that I'm teaching you is that sometimes you gotta decide what flavor shit sandwich you want. Right. Because that's your only options is shit sandwiches. <laughs> and, and that's just life sometimes. Yeah. And it's okay. And then also follow up with giving them the tools to have less times in their life where their only choice is a shit sandwich. Right. So here, here's what we got to do. This is what it looks like when you have to muck through something you don't want to muck through. It sucks. Like one of the lessons that I would like to teach them is like, even if it's something you don't want to be doing or that you think is pointless, try to find one thing that you didn't know before. And I don't mean like I didn't know how to divide fractions and now I do. Right. Um, did you know that if you turn your pencil totally flat and erase instead of to an angle and erase, you're going to get more life out of your eraser because it's going to go down even like that would be a thing that you learn just from using a pencil right. more often than you typically do. Yeah. You know, and so I've, I've always I've tried to do that because there's times in my life as an Aries that I can I feel like I already know this. I don't need to right. go to this meeting. I don't need to yeah. read this email. I don't need to blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, there's got to be one thing in here, even if it's how to spell a word I've never seen before, yeah. that I will be better off because I did this thing that I don't really want to do. Right. So I don't know. I feel like there's got to be that balance. I don't believe in because I told you so. I don't believe in that's just the way it is. Right. Because it doesn't have to be. I believe we create our reality. So Absolutely. how do I give these kids more tools to create their own reality because I can't fix the world. Yeah. It's interesting to me because, and I'm so sick of saying that, like I've noticed, like I keep saying it's interesting to me is like my new go-to phrase is making oh, me Oh, I so, think that's a lovely phrase. It's such a... It, Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's just something I've noticed because I'm trying to pivot off of but um. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Which you mentioned in your else. first yeah. podcast. So I just plugged like, in I something hate myself. E equally as pretentious. Like, yeah. <laughs> But it's, uh, it is interesting to me because these are pretty lofty ideas. But I think that they are the right way to go. And to where a lot of this stuff is being introduced during these incredibly developmental years. And it's almost like they're not going to tap into it for another five years. Mm -hmm. And they're gonna be, they'll be able to point back to, oh, this is where uh, the seeds were planted. Yes. And now I'm getting it. And I think that's something, too, that... You have to know going in, especially at those middle school years, you will likely never reap right. any benefits as yeah. the educator right. for any of the plants that you see. You're not even going to know how many of them took. And I think you have to be okay with that. And I, and I, and I should know this, but I don't, I don't know who said it, but it's a pretty famous quote about, you know, I don't know, now I can't even remember it, it's just totally escaping me, but it's essentially to the effect of like, you'll never sit in the shade of a tree that you plant, or, the, or a yeah. wise man, or a somebody, blah, blah, blah. You yeah. you, you're not gonna enjoy the fruits of the labor right. fully, I guess. Yeah, I know what you're alluding to. <laughs> but you're not, the whole point of that is you're not planting the tree to enjoy the shade. Yes. You're planting the tree so your kids can enjoy the shade. And that's the whole point is to set up the next generation. Yeah. Like at some point we've lost this idea that we want the next generation to do better. And like we start complaining about millennials or we start complaining about Gen Z. And it's like, 
they're going to be who they're going to be. Right. And the generation before created the reality they're living in and they're yes. doing the best they can. So it's always pissed me off when it's like, well, millennials are this, this, and this. I'm like, well, you fucking boomers and Gen X just created Didn't it. Didn't you raise them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, we're doing, we're doing what makes sense to us in the reality you built. Right. And now we're building the next reality uh, and so, so on and so forth. That's just how it works. Well, and now I'm going to get a little woo-woo, which is <laughs> because why not? I dare you. But, you know, like if you go to, and I'm totally going to over overview this, a super high-level view, but like you have indigo children, crystal children, and rainbow children. And, and depending on what you read, that's sort of, there's these waves of, you know, souls that have come into the earth. And so it started with the indigo children, and that would be like some of those boomers, um, you know, some of the Gen Xers, but mostly like that yeah. boomer generation and then the silent generation before them. Right. And they were the ones that took all the shit. Right. They just, they absorbed it. They were sad. They had hard lives, but they made it through. They, you know, they were sort of forged, forged in the fire. And then they had these crystal children right. and the crystal children clearly saw, could see <laughs> crystal clear what the fallacies were what the problems are like oh my gosh that's terrible right so but like we're so like holy holy crap what wow that's bad i don't want that i don't know what i want because yeah. i don't know what comes next but i don't want that and so these crystal children and you know i'm gesturing to like hold a place basically we're the pass through we're the we're the the clarity of what is the problem yeah so that rainbow children you know O-Town Homies 2.0, Draven and Jade's generation, yeah. Gen Zers, some late millennials go, wow, yeah, well, here's what we need to do about it. Mm -hmm. So for us, our awesome middle generation here, the Zennial generation, <laughs> we're like, I picture kind of just holding up this pass through because I know, because that's another thing too that's unique. My mom and dad were born in the late 30s and early 40s. Right. So I was raised by boomers. Not Gen X. You know, my, my older brother and sister are Gen They're Xers. They're almost the greatest generation. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, yeah, because my dad was born in 39, 39, yeah. and my mom was born in 43. Right. So, I mean, my mom was being born as World War II. I mean, they right. were a part of all of that. That's because my dad was born in 48, but my mom was born in 56. So they're two separate generations. Total different also. cohorts, right? right. <laughs> and so... Um, yeah, so, you know, so my older brother and sister are squarely Gen Xers. Yeah. And so it's been interesting, because especially to have a sister who's 18 years older than you, brother yeah. who's 15 years older than you, I sort of had two maternal um, implements, I guess, in mm -hmm. my life from two different generations. And then, uh, yeah, so I don't know, it's been pretty interesting. But that's how I picture it is like, I know, because I saw the pain and, and the trash that my mom went through yeah. and, and her generation, and I'm aware of all of that stuff. And then I, but I've had, I've had to, I've had to climb out of that myself to make sure I don't repeat it. So here I am at 40, just now seeing the world for what it is. Yeah. Well, I don't have a ton of time being healthy and young and vibrant and robust where I can make a lot of changes. I mean, I could definitely make some significant ones. Sure. But I mean, my kids have a 40-year head start on me. Right. Because right from the beginning, I've been like, hey, you don't owe me anything. Right. You put me in a nursing home when the time comes. Yeah. Uh, you don't, and this is the way I've always, I've always envisioned my kids is like, our job as parents is, or educators or adults in a kid's life 
is to be bumpers on a bowling lane, mm -hmm. like bumpers in the gutter. You, I, I, the ball's going to take its own path. Right. And I have no control over that. My job is to keep them out of the gutters for a length of time because sure. if you've been bowling, you know that <laughs> at some point the bumpers end, you still can get a gutter ball in the end. Absolutely. You still may not, not, not knock down a single pin. Yeah. But my job is just to gently coerce you back into the lane. Yeah. But the path you take ultimately is yours. And in the end, you might get 10 pins, you might get six, you might get one, you might fucking end up in the gutter. Right. But all I can do is this. Yeah. And, and my kids don't, our kids don't belong to us. No. They don't owe me anything. Um, you know, and my, I always tell the kids, I'm like, I will never make a rule for you that's not to keep you safe or healthy, mentally or emotionally. Right. And for me, a big stickler for me is like, to be considerate of other people. Yeah. That doesn't mean to be a people pleaser. No. But like here, we're out here today in the garage yeah. because my son had a sleepover last night right. and he's in the living room. Yeah. And it's considerate of me because we do have the space right. to just come out here and do this. Yeah. Why would I go in there and make extra noise for what? Right. When it's not inconvenient for me to do this. Right, it's almost like you actually like your children. I love my children <laughs> as people. Right, which is, is, is a key thing there. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, too, where everything we've ever come up with, we've had to earn or, or be good enough for. Yes. And like, oh, I see what you're saying. So yeah. it's important to kind of uh, recognize that, even if it takes till 40, and be like, I'm not, I'm not continuing that mm -mm. from here forward. No, and the message for me always coming from mostly, you know, from my dad, whether it was directly or, you know, inadvertently or whatever, was what can you do? Show me what you can do, and then I'll praise you for it. Then yeah. I'll give you a reward. Yeah. What can I do? Oh, I can get straight A's. I can run varsity track for four years. Right. I can get a scholarship into college. Yeah. I can get a six-figure job. Right. I can do, look what I can do, Dad. That's, but at the end of the end, none of it mattered. None of it. Yeah. Like, you know, and so I feel like part of me wants to be like, oh, I wasted all this time. But I didn't because I learned. Yeah, well, it's created who you are today. It's, it's like trying to fill a cup of impression. And every time you turn around and do your next thing, he's throwing the water out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I even tried to appeal to him at one point because he, he doesn't have a good relationship with one of my other siblings. Yeah. And I, I said, like, Pop, here's, here's what it is. And I said it in a diplomatic way. And here's, you know, maybe some steps that you could take to reach out. And he, he literally patted me on the shoulder and he goes, good advice. I don't know if I'll take any of it. But <laughs> then I had this flashback of when I was like, thanks for your number. Probably not going to use it. <laughs> <laughs> but even that, like just putting those two together, I feel like is eye opening to be like, I'm not that person. Yes. And I don't want to be that person. Right. right. I, I don't think you meant it that way, but at that time. Yes. But it's a hundred percent connected. To I that. just well, I just read a quote or something recently that said, "Honesty without compassion is cruelty." Yeah. And I love that right. because I have true. a tendency to be I'm brutally honest. Yeah. But I would like to take the brutally part out. So it's interesting because fucking dick, I did it again. <laughs> but I do the same thing. <laughs> you need a you need a stick on goatee that yeah. you can just stroke while you're. Oh, it's interesting to me. Uh, what I was doing because uh, I work with Katie uh, and her and I talk a lot and we've become pretty good friends and we bump heads a lot uh, whenever we're talking about stuff because of the way I talk. Like I'm not I'm not on purpose an asshole. I'm not on purpose sharp, uh, and I don't want to be cruelty honest, 
but I'm also the same, like, I just say what it is when it is what it is. My grandma would say, whatever comes up, comes out. Yeah, but I, <laughs> I would never intentionally hurt somebody's feelings, and I don't want to piss on anybody's Cheerios. Uh, so a lot of times I just talk, and then we try to wade through. <laughs> I need people with patience to, like, all right, well, let's wade through what I just said, because... Right. I can tell you're taking it a certain way. Right. The intention is different. <laughs> yeah. I've been um, described as sharp, and I'm like, I don't know if I like that. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, me too. Like, wow, you're mean. I'm like, I am the least mean person. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so not mean. And yeah. the fact that you think that I'm mean is now going to make me sad <laughs> for years to come. And yeah. I'm going to try to make up yeah. for it. I'm going to take of my this life. with me, <laughs> and it's just going to eat away. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. But, you know, those kids are, the, the Dio kiddos are just, they're just the best. And I think it's, it's you know, um, they, they already have what you and I have. They already have that, like, they see things for what they are. Like you yeah. said it, you know, these adolescents that go, hmm, adults are full of shit. And then if they continue down some kind of a traditional path, um, they end up pushing that instinct to say this person's full of shit aside because they go well no no we can because adults go no 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 you can trust us do what i say do what i say do what i say yeah and i think some of these kiddos because a lot of them have these emotion not all of them but some of them have the emotional and behavioral disorders because of trauma right and so there's that capacity from when somebody's saying oh you can trust me you can trust me a lot of that mentality comes from family that is potentially causing the trauma in the first place Right. Like at least for me, that was true. Where it's like your parents are supposed to love you; they're supposed to take care of you. But then they start making you feel like it's a fucking job, and right. you're not working your part of it well enough. So you're not going to get the benefits of being a loving, a loved child. Yes. And you're like, what the fuck is happening? And you can't process that. So when those preteen years is when you're like, all right, these adults don't make sense. But I, I don't know what to do with that right and where the hell do i turn i ha- right i have no other guidance mm-hmm. other than to be led by these people that i in- instinctually don't necessarily trust them right but they're the only ones in charge they're teaching me what trust is in an ugly way yes and that's where you start seeing the behaviors and the acting out and the the uh psychological things and stuff like that and i really feel like for edbd <laughs> well here's life I must be getting a package. There's a dog. Here comes the mailman. Angel. In. Angel. Good girl. Um, but yeah, so I just, uh, I, but I think those kids have just, they've already had it. Yeah. You can't BS them. No. And I like that. Angel, go on. Girl. She's like, I can't control myself when a truck pulls up, so I yeah. just have to go in the house. I love the, I, the fact that she is like, I'm barking. I'm going to go inside. Even my dog self-regulates. <laughs> <laughs> We're just uh, a psychologically healthy family. It seems like, it. like everything is right on. Hi, thank you. You could just leave it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Angel, stay. Angel, she won't hurt you. I'm sorry. Angel, come here. Come here, Angel. Angel, come. Remember when you were like, as long as we're not interrupted. Angel, come. And I thought for sure it would be my kids that would interrupt us. Yeah. Well, the good news is the <laughs> dog probably woke up the kids. Oh, you're right. So now they'll come out and they'll be like, Mom, things. So what you're like, saying is we should go inside and be like, oh, yelling. we've really gone off the rails here. <laughs> <laughs>
But again, that's the whole point of the show is it's so hard to find time at our age to get to have conversations and talk. I don't want to be afraid of life happening uh, and being afraid of that to where it's like, well, I can't hang out with my friends because the dog's going to bark or her kids are around. Like, no, no, no. If you want to hang out with somebody, like, make time, follow through, and, like, fucking do it. Either do it or don't, but don't talk about it. You know, and here's the thing, too. Like, even this morning, like, I've been taking, because Jay's in this camp, and so I've been taking these hours to do, to run errands or to do whatever. And I I was thinking about it because I'm like, oh, man, you know, I got to make sure I got I to gotta make time for this podcast. And so what do I need to do to front load my week so that Thursday I don't need those hours to do stuff? Right. And then even part of me was like, what if I still have stuff to do? Like, I wonder if we can record, like, in the car while I run around. But then... It's funny because I do that. If I'm driving from DeKalb to my sister's, it's like 45 minutes. I'm like, I'll just record an episode. And I'm like, yeah, you can hear the car and traffic and whatever. But I'm like, who the fuck cares? Right. It's 45 minutes. And then I have 45 minutes somewhere else for me. And someone's... (laughs) Right. Well, but then... And then that leads to not doing it with a purpose, right? So I've said earlier that everything I do needs to be a means to an end, which hanging out I mean, and that's huh there you go put it together <laughs> huh all right then all right so yeah so hanging out there's no to what end right and and maybe that's not really i guess hmm, can you see that i'm having like yeah. <laughs> so what's exploding what, in my head what you need plugged in there is the idea of something being like music or dancing the, the point is not the end. Otherwise, you know, it, would, it wouldn't make sense. The journey is the point. The dance is the best part, not the end. <laughs> That's really interesting because even like when no, I do... You caught it. <laughs> <laughs> even when I do like housework and stuff, I'm always listening to a podcast, listening to an audiobook, listening to whatever. I love music. Yeah. I love music and I don't listen to it a lot. Yeah. I think that there's probably some joy that could come in there. Huh. But I, I think a lot of your stuff is rigidly get to the end. Cause Productive. A book, a what podcast, you- cleaning the house, going to the gym. The goal is the end. You don't have any of that, oh, this journey is really nice. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe something that? to be mindful of. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, you know, when I say that, like, well, even here, like, it's only been a few years where I've realized you know, this, this concept of like, do what, what can you do to be worthwhile? Right. You know? And it's interesting because I give my, isn't that interesting? (laughs) I, I have never done that to my kids because I knew how hurtful it was, you know, coming from the adults in my life to to be productive and to be industrious. Which is an important thing too, because you can recognize it in yourself, but you're not over it per se no it's a and pattern you're still keeping it away from your children Inter- and i just i just realized because in in if you were to ask me i would say oh yeah i totally broke out of that pattern right yeah did you, did you it's kind of like being an addict you're an addict forever right but you start learning how to handle situations. yeah and recognizing those behavior patterns right. and there again like so maybe next time i clean the house it'll just be a matter of choosing to put on rise against radio versus yeah, you know great yes yeah. <laughs> um you know and and but i don't do it to my kids because i've always told them you know jade is a perfectionist and she likes to produce things too right um but she's an artist so like she loves like like ceramics and painting and 
and like doing those things. Like she's bummed because they did a project on the wheel and hers didn't turn out right and they just don't have enough time by the end of the camp for her to make another one, yeah. dry, fire it, you know. So she won't have anything that she's made on the wheel. She has right. other pieces that she's, you know, hand built. But she's bummed about that. And I'm like, but wasn't it, wasn't it so cool just to use the wheel this week? Wasn't right. it awesome to make the yeah. bowl? And she's like, well, yeah, but I, don't ha I want to have the bowl. Yeah. Um, so it reminds me, there's a quote that I love that I have no idea where it came from. Uh, I posted it once before. I was like, we become the people that would have saved us when we needed to be saved. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, because I've always told the kids, so I always tell my kids, I'm like, you are not a human doing, you're a human being, right. and I already love you. You don't yeah. have to do anything else right. for the rest of your life, and I, you already have all of my love. Right, that's the true definition of unconditional love, because in our lives, we throw that word around, but it's not real. Mm -hmm. Like, everything's conditional. Like, right. You know, I love you because you make me feel this way, or you do this for me, or we meet each other halfway. But I feel like with your children is one of the only real aspects where it's, like, unconditional. And the caveat there is they do not have to unconditionally love you back. Right. They do not owe yeah. you that unconditional love. Right. If you don't do it, if you don't make the deposits <laughs> into the relationship, yeah. then when the time comes where they don't need you for anything, you have no right to make withdrawals. Right. You can't, don't, you don't get to call and say, oh, you never come and see me. Yeah. If you did it right, they want to come and see you. Right. They want to bring their kids if they have them. They want to spend time with you. They want to go run errands with you. Yeah. If, if you have facilitated a relationship and the onus is on the adult. Right. It's not a two-way street with your kids, to a degree, but if you've taught them consideration and compassion for other people, they will be kind to you and there will be a reciprocity in your relationship, but they don't owe that to you. And that might be controversial, and I know there's some, even my sister sometimes is like, bitch, you almost got down for these fucking kids. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it is hard. But yeah, it is my hard. perspective and the way that I parent, and I'm not saying that it's the right way. Right, we're not here teaching a class. Right, yeah. The, w the way that I do it and what works for me and what works for my kids is like, there is nothing you could do to make me love you more and nothing you could do to make me love you less. Right. If my kids came to me and were like, oh my gosh, I did this terrible thing to this person and blah, 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 you know, and I, whatever I did, I would say, Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we need to manage whatever comes next, and that might be going to jail, right. facing whatever the natural consequences are for doing terrible, terrible things, but there's not a part of me that would be like, I don't love you anymore. Right. I don't, you know, I might be like, you have some sort of demon or monster tendencies inside of you, and I don't know where they came from, Yeah. and I wish that I could love them right out of you. But in the meantime, I can just love you. That's what I have. And Maybe your kids are demons and you have loved it right out of them. Maybe I have. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I just, I don't, and I feel like the students at the school are the same way. Right. And you made a comment within the first couple of days when you were in the classroom with me. You're like, you just mother everyone. Yeah, I did say that. And I feel like in my life growing up, my mother's, my mom's unconditional love for us, even though she didn't love herself, yeah. was absolutely my saving grace. 
Right. I think it saved me from uh, drug and alcohol addiction because that is runs in my family, yeah. um, you know, and and very close to me. And, um, you know, just being mean, I could be mean like my dad, you know, has a tendency to be. And and I don't have that. And I really think that I now I have a temper and I know that, <laughs> but I know that. Right. And so I temper my temper yeah. when I feel it coming. I give myself a timeout. Yeah. You know? I love the random days at school when you can just see, you can see it oh, I, a mile away. Yeah. And I look at Kate and be like, we don't want to talk to Annie today. <laughs> and I'm quiet on those days. So quiet. Because I know if I say something, yeah. it's not going to be very nice. It's, it's funny to me too because we're both, I have that same tendency. It's a lot rarer because I stay out of things that will trigger me that way. Yeah. But when I am, like, it's the same thing. Because usually we're absurdly lighthearted. Yes. Everything's a good time. Yep. But when we're uh, annoyed or frustrated, it's like, I, I can't today. But think about what makes us annoyed and what makes us frustrated is um, injustices. Yeah. And when people are not being kind to other people. Right. All of our principles. <laughs> yes. That is really, that yeah. is what makes me mad. I don't care if I got a flat tire or if somebody cut me off at a stop sign or flicked me off because whatever. Or or, or these kids, when they get on a rant and they oh, go, yeah. F you, Mrs. Frico. Right. You're mad right now. Yeah. <laughs> aren't you? I don't take any of that stuff personally. But yeah, when I see or hear about some sort of injustice to another person or whatever um i that's it for me yeah that was the hardest conversation i had to have my first year of doing the para is when a teacher was like you have all these principles it's just holding you back from like a better life and like more money and uh, you know whatever success and i'm like what well, that like that sounds like your success <laughs> Bingo. And I like because if I, I I extremely value my principles and I will not bend on most of them and I will verbally fight you right. <laughs> on these things <laughs> because I have definite lines and I've lived through some of this stuff. Like I'm all for you. If you can look past that stuff and just carve out your little niche, do it. Awesome. Great. Right. That's great. I can't. If I see something that we all agree is wrong. I can't look the other way. No. I have to have a conversation. Yes. <laughs> and I feel like, and this is where I'm going to struggle then, and this is kind of like what we talked about, like talking about property taxes and stuff, because to, to a degree, I feel like I have to play the game at least a little bit so I can continue participating. I almost, I have always said I sort of feel like a mole. <laughs> I got to just get in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But also then there's this element of tenure in education right. where in the first four years, you're, they could, right. they don't even have to give you a reason, especially yeah. in Illinois, because we're in at-will state. That's they true. could just be like, no, thank you. Yeah. And so, but when, when you've been in there for four years and you're tenured, you have a little bit more wiggle room and your voice gets a little bit louder. Sure. And I definitely think that there are things that need to change. Um, <laughs> like... I need to just want to be Secretary of Education for the United States right. and have everybody get out of my way <laughs> <laughs> so I can just be yeah. queen of education and be like, here's what we're doing. Well, I think that's the thing, too, is like we could sit here and talk on our scale of the good and the bad and the ugly. But at the end of the day, as much higher than us, 
we may or may not be prioritizing the right things. And that's right. a different argument at right. a different level well, that would trickle down to the rest of us. And I even know from being a para, the things that I, you know, the hills that I would die on as a para. Yeah. And then even just as a student teacher and being kind of more in those, those that like on that teacher circle, I guess, seeing, I'm like, oh, well, that's why that happens. Right. But it's because of this and this actually is the thing that needs to change and it'll trickle down to what we see in the classroom or, or whatever. And I never knew, I, like I went in as a parent, I'm like, shit needs to change. I'm going to get my <laughs> master's, I'm gonna be a teacher, yeah. fuck everybody, I'll fix everything. And now I'm there and I'm like, this is gonna be a long road. Yeah. This is gonna well, be a long it's road. It's funny to me too because Katie uh, got out of, she was doing education at one point and she got out of it because of all the bureaucracy and the right. red tape. And it just had killed it. I also like the idea that I keep referencing two different Katie's, but not differentiating them. You know what, though? I know which ones you're <laughs> yeah. talking about the because people, I know like, who's who. If you know, you know. And if you don't, it doesn't matter. Right, right. <laughs> well, there's just going to be this magical entity, Katie. <laughs> if you could put those two together, you'd have the perfect human being. They are so incredible. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I, I do. Just all around, I think we're... I'm just... You know, I'm in a good place. I'm the marriage is healthy. My relationship with my kids are healthy. My finances are getting back to healthy, and our businesses are healthy. And I'm excited to start the new year. I'm terrified because I've realized that now I'm in charge. And I'm like, uh, yeah. I was in the shower yesterday, which is like my only quiet moment where I'm forced <laughs> to be quiet. Right. <laughs> so I was in the shower, and I was like, you know, Annie, you have to like make the curriculum. Like, yeah. you need worksheets and stuff and a plan. Mm -hmm. And I was like. I don't have that. To be fair, the last teacher just borrowed other people's. Right. Like, you'll be, my email, you well, get everything you need. And, <laughs> and don't read, you know, don't reinvent the wheel. So there's maybe right. certain elements of that. But, like, I didn't like how we did notes that were, like, gen ed math notes. Sure. Our kids don't respond to that. There's got to be another way. They respond negatively to it, if anything. Right. So, um, which is still an improvement over years past when we were doing an online math program. That was a nightmare. Yeah. Um, I, I think what you, I don't know if you've thought about it or how you have a plan, but one thing I would throw out is instead of arbitrarily throwing stuff on an overhead and having them write it down, which they end up making the paras write for them anyway, so there's no uh, recollection, is giving them the notes. Mm-hmm. And, and a highlight a highlight. Oh, we're on the same page already. Yeah. Beautiful. See? And having them go through Who it together and highlight what's important. Yeah. So that they're getting the muscle repetition too of seeing uh, and recognizing maybe I am an educator. Oh, look at us over here having epiphany after epiphany. <laughs> we're so smart for each other. Yeah, we belong in school. <laughs> But, but I feel like that's just, I don't know. I, in, to a degree, I want to unschool these kids because, yeah. you know. But there again, they're still going to have, most of them are going to have six more years of school, at least four right. more years of school when we're done with them. Yeah, well, I think the unschooling is the right term, uh, which I think might sound scary to some people. But there's this idea that, all right, we've created a DO program. So we're recognizing that this quote-unquote normal isn't going to work. But we're still going to push the normal, even in this DO program. So the idea of unschooling makes more sense. Like, you have to try something different, but it's also a matter of what do you want to get out of it? Does, do you want progress? 
Or do you want to just, let's babysit until they move on? Right. Well, and that's, so over the years that I've been there, I've had three different special ed administrators. And all of them have been wonderful in their own rights, to be honest. We've been really lucky. But um, I've always asked the question to all three of them, what is the purpose, to what end, (laughs) what is the purpose of DO? What do we want from these kids? Yeah. And how do we know at what 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 has to happen that we go okay this has been a success yeah and none of them have really been able to give me an answer right so then I have to ask myself okay well what do I want my students to leave with and that's what I've come up with is the tools to create as many opportunities for themselves as they can regardless of what kind of adults are in your life what kind of peers are in your life what kind of choices you're met with like are you going to fuck up? 100%. No. Absolutely. Hopefully, you will have some tools. <laughs> She's like, oh, hi, you're here. Do you like my breath? I do. <laughs> Who doesn't love a dog? Um, but, like, <laughs> Me. Do, you have, do you have the tools, you know, to, to get through that when life gets, you know, not, it's not what you want it to be? And, I mean, I had a conversation with one of my students a few years ago where... You know, I'm like, you, he was an eighth grader at the time. I'm like, you have four more years. You could leave in four years. Stay alive for four more years. And then after that, you get to do whatever you want. And you can go, sayonara, I never want to look back. You can take some of that with you. You can, when I'm truncating the conversation here, but paraphrasing rather, but like, you know, you don't, and it was like, he'd never heard that before. Never realized that he didn't have to copy in his adult life, what the adults yeah. in his life were doing. Nobody gives these kids options. To, yeah. Even school in general is just a one-way road with binoculars on. Like. Maybe that's even better. It's just what I want my kids to know, what I want the students to know in the end is like, you have options. Yeah. And you get to create most of them for yourself. Absolutely. So, I don't know. That's my goal, I guess, for the kids in the end. I don't really care how much math they know or don't know. And if they ever get out to a gen ed class, I don't care. Yeah. That's... Which I think makes sense. I'm excited for this next year. Me see, too. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I'm, I've, we've talked for like two hours. I'm sorry. How long are your episodes supposed to be? Uh, we've only talked for an hour and 15 minutes. Oh. <laughs> well, we talked beforehand also. Oh, maybe that's why I feel uh, like we're about to We're to. about to put the kibosh on it, as they say. Okay, okay. But, uh, so, yeah, we're here. You know, beautiful house, beautiful pad of land. I would just sit out here and listen to music and shut my brain off, like, we should have sat on the porch swing. That thing's awesome. That would have been awesome. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> yep. Uh, you've got two businesses. You guys have. You pretty much run both businesses. I own both of them. Yeah, you <laughs> own both of them. My uh, husband owns that car and this house. That's nice. But I own two something. businesses. And <laughs> yeah. So you guys make beignets. <laughs> yep. And a uh, dent removal business. That's a lot. It is a lot. I like it. Though. And you, you'll be uh, teaching full time in a couple of months here. What is next? Because what I the, the answer I like to that question is whatever life brings me. Like I'm, I'm open to whatever opportunities there are. But you are, have a tendency to rigidly <laughs> have to be something. I know you've got stuff in your brain. <laughs> What's next? Uh, for the beignet business, I want a food truck. 
Yes. Um, That's so exciting. I want to do a couple of, I want Q to be able to man the truck himself or with one or two other employees. And I want him to be able to do that full time and do dents on the side yeah. rather than. A little switch. Yes. That would because, be awesome. you know, he in the last few years too has had his own sort of existential crisis. He might be fun actually to talk to. I would love to talk to Q on here. I, I, I do absolutely love Q. Uh, I haven't spent a lot of time with him as we've gotten older mm-hmm. since we started playing music less. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he kind of had his own existential crisis one day where he came home and he's like, we make, you know, decent money. Um, doing dense he's like but what am i doing yeah what am i giving back how am i serving people right. i'm serving pretentious yeah. most of the time because he does high-end cars i'm serving pretentious people who are worried about a a, a shopping cart ding in their lexus right. and are willing to pay 250 dollars for me to pop it out yeah and he's like crazy. i don't this is not what i want to be doing so anyway switcheroo for that um i definitely want to go back and get my ed at some point in leadership um Ooh, still letting that nestle in your brain, huh? Mm-hmm. You're not really a leadership. You're not really a leadership person. <laughs> I, but I mean, part of me is like, do I want to be? Do I want to be a special ed administrator? Do I want to be a principal? Do I want to get to, you know, special ed director for the district? Um. But then I, but then I do wrestle with that because then I think, well, again, like we talked about before, is there red tape that I don't know exists, and yeah. I think I'm going to go in here and exact right. all this change, yeah. and I'm going to be bound. Yeah. So well, I don't know. I, I think you'd be a really good uh, motivational speaker. Hmm. Because, actually, honestly, I think that we'd be a good team at it. Just because we have that, there's, no, there's not really pretension in us. And it's all realistic, actually reality-based. Not over-the-top, like, anybody can do anything. Right. Like, well, no, there's a lot of factors that are out of your control. Right. You can still do what you want, but it's, you need to see these other things and how they're affecting you. Yeah. And then achieve anyway. <laughs> right. And and be willing to move the goalposts for yourself right. as life changes and as you learn new things. Like that's another thing too. Like I'll never I'll never know it all. And I have no problem when presented with new information completely changing my paradigm. Yeah. I have I have if I'm wrong or something more better information comes along. I like that you said more better. More better. <laughs> I'm an educator. Yeah, we're educators. But yeah, like I, I don't, um, yeah, I don't know. So it's, I, I, and I think personally though, on like my own personal journey, what's next? I, I don't know, like just to see, to, to get better, to um, start doing things for no reason, arbitrarily. That's exciting actually. So there's Because am- of this yeah, today, right now. Amazing things on the horizon. Uh, there's also, I know we had talked uh, before, I don't know if it's something that will actually manifest and create, but doing our own podcast about kind of our experience in the school and kind of shenanigans uh, and what comes up uh, as... We could call it at the rainbow table. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I, a lot of people told me I belong at the rainbow table. That might be something else. <laughs> uh, but anyways, yeah, I think that's a good stopping point. We'll... Uh, See what happens. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening to me ramble. Probably well, people th- won't listen. Thank you to for me. rambling. I hope nobody listens to it. <laughs> I hope they're like every episode was good except for the Annie episode. God, it was verbose. It, it, yeah, <laughs> it was verbose. It got and it dragged on. On and on, Annie. No one cares about you and your life experiences, <laughs> which you, is what so I'll be thinking of. <laughs> yeah. This is, yeah. Thank you so much for finding the time. Love you, friend. Yep. Love you too.